The first reading is from the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended them. So I will attend to you for your evil doing, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In these days Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he shall be called. The Lord is our righteousness. The word of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Good Shepherd. Amen. A long, long time ago, there were two men. One of them was wealthy. He had many flocks and herds. And one was a poor man. He had only one small ewe, not so much a piece of livestock, so much as a pet, like a daughter to him. One day a traveler called upon the rich man, and the rich man was hesitant to part with one of his own many sheep. And so he dispatched henchmen to steal the poor man's ewe and to have it butchered and to serve it to his guest. When he heard this story, King David, who, remember, was himself a former shepherd, grew angry. He condemned the hypothetical rich thief. He said, the man who has done this deserves to die. He shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he has no pity. It's at this point the king presumably read in the face that the prophet Nathan pulls the narrative rug out from under him. You are the man, he says. For at this point, David has already had his way with Bathsheba. He's impregnated her and then sent for her husband Uriah to come in from the battlefront to try to have Uriah do what husbands do with their wives and thus hide the pregnancy and hide David's own misdeeds. And when that doesn't work, he realizes, well, there's only one thing to do. So he sends Uriah to the front lines where he dies in battle. Such is the story of the kings of Israel and Judah. 
rich men who stole from those who had little. Some of them we know well for their ruthless cruelty. There's David's immediate predecessor, Saul, who went mad with anger and jealousy. There's Manasseh and there's Ahab. And then there are the others that we neglect. Here's looking at you, Jehoahaz. It's something of a biblical trope. The monarchs will invariably turn their backs on the Lord, worship idols, steal land and vineyards, murder their opponents, and leave the hungry to starve while oppressing the poor, neglecting the widow and the orphan. In fact, it is such a common story that almost every single king's reign is summed up simply, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And while we might remember kings David and Solomon for righteousness and wisdom, the official court historians went out of their way to make sure that their myriad sins survived and were recorded. We've already mentioned the episode with Bathsheba and Uriah. And the first king, the notes of Solomon, his heart was not pure to the Lord his God. And then goes on to list the various pagan gods that Solomon worshipped, concluding, so Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And this is to say nothing of Solomon's use of forced labor among the people of Israel when the northern kingdom after his death splits off from Judah. King Rehoboam accused his southern counterpart of employing taskmasters like the Egyptian slave drivers of old. These are the shepherds who have destroyed and scattered the sheep of the Lord's pasture. Woe to them, says Jeremiah. Just before today's reading, Jeremiah presents the specific charges that have brought such woe. How is it that the kings have scattered the flock and brought such judgment upon themselves? The prophet says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbors work for nothing and does not give them their wages, who says, I will build myself a spacious house with large upper rooms, paneling it with cedar. Are you a king because you compete in cedar? Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. Then it was well. Is not this to know me, says the Lord? But your eyes and heart are only on your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. We are forced to wonder, where is a good shepherd? Where is a decent shepherd, a just kind of okay shepherd? Where is a mediocre shepherd? At this point, let's just settle for a shepherd who won't sell us down the river. Where is the one who will feed the sheep and guide them to safe places? You know, that bare minimum that shepherds are expected to do. 
Where is the one who will protect the flock from thieves and predators rather than steal and prey upon the lambs? Human kings, presidents, and prime ministers, bankers, and CEOs, everyone that we put our trust in will always fail. Those who intentionally do what is wicked in the sight of the Lord and those who strive to do what is pleasing before God. From the White House and Downing Street to City Halls, in the Academy and on Wall Street, and yes, even in pulpits and cathedrals. Everywhere we find powers unable to gather the remnant of the flock and to bring them back to the fold. Woe to us. Woe to us who are entrusted with authority, and woe to those of us placed under authority. Woe to us because we are not the heroes of the story. Try as we might, no mere mortal could bear the weight of such glory. But, woe to us, but. Woe to us, but there is hope. There is hope for redemption. There is hope for a good shepherd. Because even though the flocks have been scattered, the Lord God will gather the remnant of the flock to a place where the sheep can be fruitful and multiply, just as in Eden. A good shepherd will be raised up, one who will protect the flock that we might not fear any longer. A good shepherd who will protect us that we need not be dismayed. Not one member of the flock shall be missing. Not one member. This is how much the Lord loves us, that even though 99 are safe, the Lord will seek out the one not just watch over us from afar, but seek after us as a shepherd tending the flock. And remember that shepherds smell like the sheep. This is not a clean, easy job. It means spending days out in the countryside facing many dangers, toils, and snares in order to lead the flock safely home. And our God loves us so much as to become one of us, to smell like the sinful chaos of humanity, to enter into the violence of this world, to put on fleshy mortality, not as a noble born in a palace, but as one lowly born and placed in a food trough. The Lord yearns for us so deeply, desires us so much that he will wrestle with wolves and thieves, confront powers and principalities to protect us. There is no primordial chaos of swift water that he would not forge to rescue us. He will lead us safely through the valley of the shadow of death, even if it cost him his life. He will gather the flock, even if he must kick down the gates of hell to redeem the departed who have died. Today, my dear ones, as we mourn the death of one of our own. We remember the words prayed over Chris yesterday and over faithful Christians throughout the ages. Acknowledge, we humbly beseech you, 
a sheep of your own fold, a lamb of your flock, a sinner of your own redeeming. And we trust that the great shepherd of the sheep will raise her and all the departed to life everlasting. Because Christ our Lord has faced down death and emerged victorious. Because the good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep and was able to take his life back up again, we know that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.